Uh, Steve has asked me to read from James chapter 2, uh, verses 10 through 13. James chapter 2, verses 10 through 13. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. Now if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak, and so do, do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. For the judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Let's pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, we do want to thank you for this day. Thank you for this uh, beautiful sunshine that we have this morning. Lord, we are just so thankful and mindful of all that you've done for us. And, and we just uh, want to show you how much we love you by doing and, and obeying your commands. Lord, we just uh, ask that you be with Steve this morning as uh, he's prepared a lesson and, and uh, that he uh, gets across uh, your word and, uh, and brings it to us that we can uh, hopefully take it out and, and uh, teach those out in the world. Lord, uh, just uh, help us to be uh, concentrating on what is being said today and, and looking into your word to, to understand what it, what it is meaning. We just thank you once again, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. Good to see everyone here today. Just looking around. Oh, someone was waving. I wasn't sure what was going on there. I'm just looking around the room. Say hi to the people around you. Just say hi. I don't want to be the only one. Look at all the lovely, pretty people today, and Andy. I know why I had to do that. Am I having a call or something? Thank you. Oh. Now I'm having a mic issue. I, I know. I was being punished for my insubordination. Anyway, good morning, everyone. It is a lovely day, and my sinuses are finally coming into line with the universe. That's the bad part about it. Is this spring? I haven't lived here that long. It's like spring, right? Pretty close. Yeah, well, anyway, I'm liking it. Um, good to have you here this morning, as I said. Um, last week, we were talking about um, being able to forgive others, and if you can't forgive others, how that might affect your view of yourself. As Christians... We want to be living in the joy and peace of God through Jesus, yeah? I'm going to make obvious statements, and then you nod your head and go, yeah, that's, yeah, amen, yeah, that, okay? That's how it works. All right? And last week, last week we decided that I was going to speak in this accent today. Last week, we talked about how if we don't have forgiving hearts, we won't be forgiven, and we won't live in a world of forgiveness. We're going to live in a bitter, angry world. And I kind of want to lay on top of that another layer this morning. And to kind of see where I'm going with this, let me just ask you a question. Do you 
kind of sometimes hate people. You ever driving down the road and you go, yeah, this would be a nice place if it wasn't, you know, I'd love shopping if it wasn't for the other shoppers. You know, sometimes I wouldn't, this would be a really nice drive through the country if it weren't for that guy going 20 miles an hour ahead of me and the guy that just tried to cut me off and kill my family. We all have that uh, vein of misanthropy in us where we just, just sometimes we look at the world around us and we say, why, what are all these people doing? What is wrong with people? You ever ask that? What is wrong with people? People are messed up. And you know, that's, that's true. I'm a people, and I am messed up in a lot of ways. And you're a people too. But here's the deal. We, when we're baptized into Christ, something happens to us. And if we receive these gifts and we just let go of them, it is beyond a crime. And we were talk, we've been talking about this on Wednesday night. We've been studying in Galatians. We're going to kind of get a little bit of ahead of our Wednesday night class today. We're going to be reading in Galatians chapter 5. But the thing of it is, in Christ, we are made perfect. We're made complete. Does that mean, oh, those Christians all think they're perfect. Actually, I do. Not that I'm perfect, but that Christ makes me perfect. I'm forgiven of everything I've done, and there's nothing about me I need to change. Did he just say there's nothing about him he needs to change? Has he looked at himself? Okay, that's not what I mean. What I mean is, in Christ, the Holy Spirit changes us. God, being the perfect Father, He doesn't want us to be better than we are. He wants us to be His children, to be changed by His Holy Spirit, to be truly His children. I'll explain when we look at some verses. Okay? I just like to do the rambling at first. It leaves you with questions. And you're like, I hope he's got some kind of scripture to back this up because he's, he's just a raving lunatic. That's fine. Let's go to James chapter 1. We're going to be hitting James a couple of times. Now, I'm going to contradict myself a little bit here, and then we're going to bring it back around the corner. So I'm just giving, those of you that don't like the wild twists and turns I take in my sermons, buckle up. I'm going to be there a little bit today, all right? Stay with me. James 1, verse 25 says, But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Now, there's some contradiction in this verse. It's not just me. And that's the thing. The, the truth that God wants you to understand does seem self-contradictory. So open your brain, open your heart, open your ears, and hear what God is trying to tell you and me. 
It is a law of liberty. Law and liberty are not two things that go together. So why is he saying it's a law of liberty? He says if we look into the perfect law, the law of liberty, he's saying the law of liberty is the perfect law. We used to have, we've been studying this on Wednesday night. It's a good, fun class, amen? Thank you. That hearty amen. Come, it's, it's great. Um, but we're, we're looking at the law as we had it was the way things needed to be, but it wasn't finished. Jesus didn't erase the old law. He perfected the old law, and that's what the word perfect here means. It means the complete law, the final version of the law, is the law of liberty. And in the law of liberty, we have to hear, and because we hear, we act. Now, on the surface, that sounds like, well, that just sounds like the old law. It sounds like the law of liberty is no different than the old law. Well, it actually is very different from the old law. We hear and we act, but that doesn't make us perfect. Stay with me. All right? So then what does make us perfect? How can we... How are we supposed to be hearing the law and yet somehow be free because we're doing the things in the law? I don't understand that. All right? Let me confuse you a little bit further before I give you a break. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 5. I would present it in a more deductive way, but this is the only, this is the only way I, I, can, I can bring it to you is to show you the contradictions, and hopefully together we'll understand that there is no contradictions. There's a deep mystery of God in here that we can understand. Matthew 5, verses 17 through 20. Jesus is saying, and I just said this, excuse me, that Jesus didn't come to do away with the old law. He came to make it its final, complete version. He says, don't think that I've come to throw the law out the window or the prophets. I've not come to abolish the law or the prophets, but to fulfill the law and the prophets. And by the way, the law and the prophets is uh, basically... Uh, all the law sections, most of the Old Testament, okay, minus the wisdom literature. For truly, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, until the end of time and space and matter and energy, not a single iota, not a dot will pass from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, Whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does these commandments and teaches these commandments will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of God. Okay, that... Again, I feel like I'm just getting more confused as I'm reading through these things. Jesus is saying, none of the old laws are gone. If you say the old laws are gone, 
and you tell other people that they don't have to follow them anymore, you're the least in the kingdom of heaven. If you tell everyone the old laws still count and you should follow the old laws, you'll be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And in case you don't know who the scribes and the Pharisees were, they were the preachers and teachers of, of uh, God's word back in Jesus' day. They would stand up in front of a group of people and say, let's look at God's word together. And they would do some explaining. And Jesus says, don't follow them if you're not following the commandments better than those guys are, then you won't enter the kingdom of heaven. So it sounds like each verse I read, there's more and more that I have to do. Like, however hard I was trying to Christian before, I've got to Christian harder. I've got to turn the Christian knob up to 10. See if I can get an 11 out of it, because I want to enter the kingdom of heaven. I'm, I'm getting stressed out now. Well, you definitely should not be stressed out by the law of liberty. And there's a clue in there when he says your righteousness has to exceed that of the teachers of the law. The teachers of the law were very, very conscientious to keep every part of the law that they saw. They put a lot of time and effort into making lists and checking them twice and find out if they've been naughty or nice so that they could be considered righteous. But Jesus says that's not good enough. You have to do better than that. So what does he mean by doing better than having the world's longest checklist and make sure every day that I'm going through that checklist? Let's look at John chapter 8 for more clues. And again, if we'll just hear what Jesus is saying, hopefully we'll understand the truth that He's trying to teach us. And part of this will be familiar to you. Starting in verse 31 of chapter 8. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed Him, if you will abide in My Word. And let's translate that a little bit because we don't really use that phrase too much in the English language. If you will abide in My Word. Children, if you will abide in My Word, I will not spank you. They're like, you're not going to spank me anyway, Dad. What He means is, if you take My words and you hold them so close that they become a part of you. If you put all of your faith and all of your heart into the things I'm trying to tell you, then you truly are my disciples. You're the people who truly follow me. And here's what will happen if you listen close to Jesus' words and you take them and you hold them close. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now that's something people like to quote a lot. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I'm going to say that in a very preacherly voice one more time. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. 
That's all right. Preacherly voice. Let's back up and let's really take the words Jesus is saying and let's pull them close into our heart. If we listen to what Jesus is saying and we make that who we are, then we'll understand something the world doesn't understand. And when we understand that, we will experience freedom. The Jews who had believed in Him answered, saying, well, wait a minute. We're the offspring of Abraham. We've never been the slave to anyone. We don't need to be set free. We... We haven't been enslaved for centuries. So why are you saying you will become free? And Jesus answered them, truly, truly, listen to me. I'm telling you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Just need to absorb that for a second. The opposite of practicing sin is pulling Jesus' words close to us, abiding in them, living inside the words of Jesus. Jesus had a lot of words. Let's go to 2 Peter chapter 2. Stay with me a little while longer. I'm trying to get this done as quickly as I can so that my brain doesn't explode. Verses 19 through 21. Peter is talking about people who walk around talking about you need to do this law. Here's this checklist. Here's that checklist. You need to follow what I tell you. Let me explain to you all the things in the Bible that you need to do. Here's top five ways that you can become saved. That sounds like a good YouTube link that you would click on. Anytime there's a number of something, okay, I'll watch that. It's only five. I can get through that. But these people offering lists of things that you need to do, they're deceivers. Verse 19, they promise freedom, but they themselves are slaves to corruption. Corruption means decay, entropy, things falling apart. For whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. For if, after they've escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them, and they're overcome by them. The last state has become worse for them than how they started out. For it would have been better for them to never have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. We're starting to get more and more clues. And this is, this is something we've talked about on Wednesday night in our class in depth. So for those of you who are here on Wednesday, this will make more sense. But it's not about 
Keeping lists of laws. That's the old imperfect law. Does that mean that those laws don't matter? No, it doesn't mean those laws don't matter. What it means is, what really matters is where do you abide? Where do you live? Where do you live? Where are you going after this? When you leave the building, where are you going? What are your goals when you leave here? What do you want to accomplish? Do you want to accomplish relaxation? And TV watching? Okay. Are those things bad? No. I'm a big fan of both of those things. But what are you seeking after in this world? Where do you live? The correct answer, not the, well, I'll say the correct answer. The godly answer is what I plan to do when I walk out of here is glorify God and live as a, as a brother or sister of Christ, whatever that entails. Well, what if that entails relaxing and watching TV? Well, then fine. It's about the relationship you have to God. If you are baptized in Christ, you are a new creation. The old you is dead. You are now the living temple of the Holy Spirit. That has to change how you live. And how you live is greatly affected by where do you live. So where do you live? Where do you live? And we want to live with God. Let's go to Galatians chapter 5, as I told you. This is getting ahead of our class a little bit here, but that's fine. You can come on Wednesday and we'll talk about it some more and it'll be cool. It'll be cool, man. Okay. So in Galatians, if you're on, in our Wednesday night class, you know there's these Judaizers that come to these Christians and say, you're not following the laws enough. And Jesus himself said all the laws are important. And Paul is saying, look, it's not about memorizing a list of laws. You should memorize the list of laws, but that won't save you. What will save you is Jesus Christ. We don't memorize the laws so that we can be saved. We memorize the laws because if I'm living with God, that's what those living with God do. He's saying in Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 1, Christ set us free so that we can have freedom. That seems pretty obvious. For freedom, Christ has set us free. He didn't set you free so that you could be a slave. So stand firm and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. We were talking about circumcision in our uh, young professionals class this morning, and it, it, was, it got a little weird, I've got to, got to admit, but it was a good discussion. That's not something that we're required to do, and yet these Judaizers are going around saying, well, you're, you are not a Christian because you're not following the Jewish laws of circumcision. And Paul's saying, if you, if you become circumcised to follow the law, then Christ is no advantage to you. I testify again 
to every man who accepts circumcision that he's obligated to keep the whole law. If you're going to say, I'm going to keep circumcision, then you're bound to keep the entire Old Testament law. And if you do that, you're separated from Christ. If you are trying to be justified by keeping laws, you've fallen away from grace. And that's the key word here. Grace. Do you have grace? If you want to be like Christ, you have grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only, listen to this, faith working through love. There, it wasn't that long ago that we uh, were talking about 1 Corinthians chapter 13, how that's read at weddings, but it's actually an apocalyptic that says, you know, heaven and earth will pass away. All this will be destroyed and it, it'll be gone. But three things will remain. What are they? Faith, hope, and love. And Jesus is saying here, keeping of the law isn't what matters. Is keeping of the law important? Yes. But it, I don't keep the law so that I can be in my Father's house. I don't keep the law so that I will receive grace. Because if I was keeping the law, that wouldn't be grace. I keep the law because I am receiving grace. And you're like, well, wait a minute. That sounds like you're saying we're we're saved and it doesn't matter what we do. No, I'm not saying that at all. But if you're focusing on the what, you're missing out on the who. Christianity starts with the word Christ. Christianity is not about what, it's about who. Do you abide with Jesus? And we've talked about this on Wednesday quite a bit. When we're trying to keep a law, usually we're doing that because we're trying to cut our lives into little sections. Here's where I am on Sunday morning. Here's where I am on Sunday night. Here's why I'm on Monday morning. Let's not th- let those things mix together because that, that, that's like letting your, your peas and your corn get together on your plate. That just is unacceptable. Everything has to be you abiding in Christ. There is no separating work you from church you from home you. It's all you. If you have different versions of yourself, then my question is why? Stop trying to separate yourself from Christ. If you do that, then as Paul says here, you are indeed separate from Christ and you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. I hope I've said enough times that keeping the law is important. It absolutely is. But keeping the law is not what saves us. Abiding in Christ is what saves us. And it's a trap the devil sets for us. And, and 
trying to get us to follow a list of rules instead of being with Jesus because He wants us to carry that burden, that slavery to sin. We should be free of that. And that's why I started this off with, I'm exactly as good as I need to be right now. Is that because I'm such an awesome guy? Of course not. It's because God is that merciful. I don't do things so that I can be a good man. I do things because I am a good man. Because Christ has made me one. James chapter 2. Going back to James. Apparently my shouty level has gone up today. My voice is already starting to go. Verses 10 through 13, this is what Wayne read this morning. Whoever keeps the law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. So, newsflash, you're guilty of all the law. Because you aren't keeping every single thing in the law. Okay? Because the same one who said, do not commit adultery also said, do not commit murder. If you not, do not commit adultery, but do murder, you become a transgressor of the law. No matter what you've done wrong, there is no other category. There's sinners and not sinners. And we all fall into that first category, sinners. There's no difference. It doesn't matter what your sin is. You're a transgressor. But through Christ, we are moved from the category of sinners into saints, from imperfect into perfect. And since that is true, verse 12, speak and act as those who are going to be judged under the law of liberty. And here's the next thing. For judgment is without mercy to the one who's shown no mercy but mercy triumphs over judgment. I want you to really apprehend that this morning. If you're not a Christian and you want that mercy, mercy, come to Jesus. Be baptized. If you are baptized into Jesus, really grasp what's being said to you this morning. Are you a good person? The answer is yes, if you're a Christian. Yes, you are a good person. When you look around this room, is this room filled with good people? It is. And here's the thing, we were talking about it last week. If you have an unforgiving heart, you're going to look around at the world and you're just going to see a bunch of of people making mistakes left and right. That is not how God sees the world. Christ did not give His life so that you can see the world as a bunch of people making mistakes. The people around you, we were talking about last week, are people who are forgiven. If you see the world as forgiven, you're going to see yourself as forgiven. 
The same way, if you have mercy on those around you, then you will see yourself as having received mercy. Does this make sense? If you have a harsh view toward the world around you, those are the same eyes that look into the mirror at yourself. Those eyes should be changed. You should see the world the way God sees it. God wants you to, when you look in the mirror, He doesn't want you to see the old you. He wants you to see a cleansed, perfected you made that way through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's liberty. You, I don't think you can have the joy of the Lord if you don't understand that it's all good right now. It's all good right now. Do you hear me? It's all good. God loves you exactly. If you are baptized into Christ, you are exactly perfect the way you need to be right now. Does that mean you don't have anything that you need to do better? No, you absolutely do. That's the process of abiding in Christ. Are you guys with me? This is the law of liberty. We don't follow God's law so that we can be saved. We follow God's law because we are saved. And any saved person, anyone who lives in God's house, would of course follow the rules of God's house. We don't follow the rules so that we can gain entry into the house. We follow the rules because God has brought us to Himself. The truth shall set you free. You're free. All that beating yourself up, I'm so stupid. That's not godly. There is no self-loathing in Christ. Because how can you loathe that which Christ has purchased with His blood? Amen? You have to love yourself and love the people around you. If you don't have mercy, you won't be shown mercy. You won't, if you don't give mercy, you won't receive mercy. You'll be incapable of it. Let's be merciful to each other. I know I'm irritating sometimes. Does he really know how? Yes. And you know what? You are too. But in Christ, we're not. Do you understand what I'm saying? I want to love you the way God loves you, and I want you to love me the same way. And the two go hand in hand. You can't love any more, you can't be loved any more than you love. You can't be forgiven any more than you forgive. That's the freedom in Christ. Does, that should set your brain free. You should love, if you're a child of Christ, you should love yourself and the person sitting next to you more than anyone's ever been loved. Because that's the truth of Christ. Do you love yourself that much? If you don't, read these verses again until you understand the mercy and the perfection you've been given through Christ. You're washed in the blood of the Lamb. That's a beautiful thing. It should be freeing. So I'm, sh I'm shouting because how many years as a Christian did I spend going, oh man, 
like the Monty Python movie where the monks are walking, hitting themselves in the head with the book. You guys haven't seen that, that's fine. It's probably there for the better. But this isn't about self-flagellation. It's not about whipping yourself. It's about going, I'm free! Woo! That's what Christianity is about. And if it's not about that for you, I'm sorry, but you're doing it wrong. You're Christianing wrong. If being a Christian is a burden to you, then you're not a Christian. Jesus is the one that said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The only time it gets heavy is if Jesus is pulling you toward heaven, but you start pulling this way, then you're going to start to feel that tug, aren't you? If you're pulling hard, it means you're not pulling in the same direction Jesus is trying to lead you. It's easy. If it's hard being a Christian, you're probably not walking with Jesus. How dare he say that? Stop trying. Stop trying. Stop trying. Surrender. Give up. Live in the freedom. I just wish someone had pounded that into my head and make me understand that. That's why I'm standing here talking this morning. I hope you will understand. I hope you will understand that living in Christ is freedom. But to be free, we have to let go of all that stuff we're trying to bring. Last verse. Thank goodness he went on forever. Okay. 1 Peter chapter 2. Verses 16 and 17. And then we're done. Mercifully. I probably go on about this a little too long, because, but it's just so important for us to understand this. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. Peter says, Live as people who are free. Can you do that, please? If you're a Christian, live as a person who is free. Not using your freedom as an excuse or cover-up to do evil. Of course not. But living as servants of God. That means honoring everyone. Loving your brothers and sisters in Christ. Fearing God. And honoring the government. By the way, there's no hidden message in there for those of you who think there is. My only message to you in this morning is how about just being free? How about just having the life? Remember being a kid, you didn't have anything to worry about? No problem. That's where Jesus calls us to be. Well, Steve, I still have to do this and I have to... Yeah, but do you have to worry about any of that? Do you really have to worry about that? Do you really? And I'm king worrier, okay? I'm not calling people out because it's easy for me not to worry. I'm saying it's a choice to live in freedom knowing that a loving God has got you and there's nothing you need to do but simply follow and let go of all the things that you're doing in a different direction and making that yoke cut off your breathing. It's simple. It really is. And I, I want us all to be free. If you're 
not a Christian, of course, you don't have that freedom. If you are a Christian, you should live in that freedom. Let go of the things that are dragging you down. If you're not a Christian, if you need help from the church, please come forward while we stand and while we sing this song.